How's it going, Rob? Fantastic, Jeff. How are you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Excited to be with you this afternoon to record episode two of Cornerstone Conversations. Yeah, it's going to be really fantastic. We've got a lot of great feedback on our first conversation. Yeah. I think it's been uh, an encouragement. I know for me, I was I was really in, enjoyed doing that uh, yeah. with you, talking about that, and then really people seem to have been encouraged by it. So Yeah, agreed, man. It's been great to see that being passed around. I've heard just a variety of people talking about it and how they've been encouraged by it. It's awesome. So so today, we, we've as we were planning this, we said, hey, let's, let's spend a little time talking about the name of the church, Cornerstone. Let's take that term, which is from the Bible, describing Jesus, our Messiah, and uh, let's talk about the significance of it. Because you and I, as pastors and as counselors, we spend time with people regularly who are who are suffering, struggling their way through life and finding themselves in need of something solid, something to secure them. And what we keep coming back around to with folks is this idea of Jesus as a cornerstone. Whether we reference it explicitly or not, right. we keep talking about with folks how he is our sure foundation and he's the one who gives our lives um, uh, sort of a sturdy um, grounding that we all desperately need, right? So we're going to spend a little time this afternoon talking about Jesus as our cornerstone, uh, let me just say a little bit about that that idea, that metaphor that the Bible uses, because it'll help us to understand, you know, when the Bible uses a metaphor or kind of pictorial language, as we know, it, it's, it's trying to convey something about the character of God or the role of God in our lives. And so this idea of cornerstone was used by builders, craftsmen, masons, uh, and it had to do with uh, setting a, a, a firm foundation for a building, and so it would establish the the lines and make sure that the, the walls were level and straight, and so it was, it was vitally important. Arguably, the most important part of, of the building was the foundation and specifically the cornerstone, yeah. and so when the Bible refers to Jesus as our cornerstone, it's saying something really important that is uh, impactful for all of us, and so... So when you hear that, what, what passages come to mind? Maybe Old Testament, if we want to start there, and then we can move on to the New Testament. Sure. I, I think Psalm 114 is an excellent place to start uh, for a discussion on the cornerstone. You know, a, as you know, this, this psalm was, uh, a portion of it was sung on their way up to their pilgrimage to head into, to make sacrifices, and uh, they, they were really preparing their hearts and minds to, to worship God and to make sacrifice to Him. One of the sections there in Psalm 118 uh, reads this way, starting in verse 21. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Now, that passage is just filled with, with an incredible amount of meaning, um, talking about how the Lord has done this. The Lord allowed his, this cornerstone to be rejected so that it might, he might then be that solid place upon which we can stand and build our lives and, of course, the church is built on. Yeah, right, right, which speaks to our human nature, which is to reject him, and that's the same for all of us, and yet by God's doing, he made it possible that even though we've rejected him, he still secures us. He still places that foundation beneath us. For sure. Yeah, really good. Really good. One passage that came to my mind was in Isaiah 28, uh, Isaiah 28, verse 16. So I'll read that one, where it says, Therefore thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone for the foundation, firmly placed. He who believes in it 
will not be disturbed. It's interesting, earlier today I was looking at the passage and spent a little time in the context, and it talks about the Israelites and how they continued to uh, put their trust in other gods and how they also had a false sense of confidence in themselves as they were trusting in the other gods and as they were you know, going about their endeavors, they were prospering at that time. They were doing well materially and even militarily. They were experiencing some measure of peace. And it says there that they, um, they had made this pact with Sheol, with death, and it was this idea that they, they thought they were negotiating and they wouldn't die, that they were somehow like becoming immortal. They were so puffed up with arrogance, they thought they were uh, secure within themselves, and they're like, oh, no, we're not even worried about anything. Not even death itself can take us, and God interjects and says, uh, on the contrary, right. uh, death is coming for you, but I have placed for you a, a cornerstone, a foundation. I'm the one who secures you. So there again, we see that idea of, okay, you know, humanly, we kind of turn to other other sources or false sources of stability, but God is determined to uh, to establish us in himself, which is which is awesome, which is grace. It right is. There. And you know, I, th- I think all of us go in one way or another through those kinds of things in life where we feel really secure at one point, uh, everything is going in accordance with our plan, but every time we start to rest in our plans and the way that we're going, we end up finding that we're on sinking sand, Yeah. right? Yeah. We, money situations change with inflation, different jobs that come. Yeah. different jobs that, that go, go. Yep. health situations that come into our lives. You know, here we are, you know, everything's fine. Uh, you know, I'm 20, everything's fine. I'm 25, Most everything's of the days, fine. Right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm 35. Uh, Less to, fine. A <laughs> little, yeah. little yeah. bit here or there. Of course, some people have uh, health issues that come earlier in life. Some right. people have them come later in life. But no matter what we find ourselves finding stability in, if it's if it's not the unmovable true, enduring God that doesn't change no matter what happens, we'll find it to be a sinking right. ground upon yeah, which we're right. standing. Yeah, right. Absolutely. That's right. That's right. So so already, you know, look at these Old Testament references, that's all pointing forward to the coming Messiah where God says, I'm going to do this for you. And then maybe just spend a little time, um, there's a few places in the New Testament, but we'll start with the idea of how how Christ is for us individually a cornerstone, and then we'll say a little bit about you know how he's the the cornerstone for us collectively as a church. But when it comes to him being cornerstone individually for us, uh, I'm thinking of the text in Luke where um, it's in several of the Gospels. But it's this idea of uh, Jesus referencing, actually referencing Psalm 118, which you read earlier, uh, and it, and it says um, Jesus looked at the people and said. What then is this that is written, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. And then he says this, everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, but on whomever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. Mm. So your yeah, your thoughts on that on that text. Well, I think that again, all of us come to those places where we're mo- moving through our lives yeah. and uh, we we find some touchstone that causes us to recognize I don't have I don't have everything that I need, um, and that is a grace of the Lord to unveil yeah. within us yeah. our own inability and our own instability and our, and our own untrustworthiness. When, when He unveils that, that is a yeah, it's a good, it's painful, thing. yeah, painful. We but, don't like it, yep, yep. But it's a really good thing, and out of the the dust of that, out of the rubble of that, 
he shows us that there is stability in him. He is trustworthy, that he is someone that can take all of those broken pieces of our lives and and concoct them together yep. for good. Yep. And so, you know, when, when you think about stumbling over a stumbling stone, right? Um, nobody is happy about that unless you see what the, the end of it is when he shows us that there is there is some security, there is stability, there is uh, a, a rock upon which we can depend. And I think yeah. as you look through the Psalms, God is referred to numerous times as a rock. Yep. Um, and I think ultimately we see that as, as found in his son, Jesus Christ, right? But like even in Psalm 40 in verse 2, where the psalmist David says, he drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog, kind of slogging along, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. Like, what, a, what a kind thing that God has done for us in showing us that the things that we come to trust in naturally are not trustworthy. They're not right. there for the long haul, right? but he is. And I think even you can see a little bit of implication in the way that that the Lord Jesus deals with Peter. I was reading um, in the Gospel of John this morning where, where Peter is called. He says, you'll no longer be um, Simon. I'm going to call you Cephas yeah, right. or Peter, meaning yeah. stone. Yep. But later on in his discussions with, with Peter, he talks about you're a, you're a stone, but really you should... What needs to be happening is you need to build your life on this rock. Yeah, right, right. And and that's you know Peter's uh, confession that you're you're the Christ, right? Yeah. That is Peter saying, "Hey, I'm not the savior of my life. You right. are." Exactly. And Jesus, yep. And that's the rock solid foundation. The alternative, you being your savior, you being the one you depend upon to establish yourself, to secure yourself to uh, invest your life with meaning or purpose or hope or whatever, like that will always fail you, right, is what he's telling Peter. And he's telling us the same thing today. And to your point, when when we go through life experiences, which we all do, and it's inevitable for us where something is taken away or we, we feel weak, a, a medical diagnosis or something happens in our family tragically or, mm-hmm. uh, or a divorce, something painful like that, like, like these are those life experiences that acquaint us with our lack of control right. and they make us feel, you know, insecure and and we might think well God's being somehow cruel to me or what's he doing to me in reality even when those things are extremely difficult he is driving us deeper into these spiritual realities and these far greater realities and this um um this uh real strength the strength of who he is right that for us and that doesn't change and right that does, unchanging here right. we are we try yep. to craft our lives in a certain way you know we want to make sure you know I treat my wife properly, and I treat my children properly, and we raise them a certain way, and we have these expectations that um, everything is going to follow along right. with our right. plan. And those are those are good, good things, things, right? Those yep. are good things. Yep. None of us want it to go the other way. Yep. But all of us are dependent upon the Lord. Even as we do those things. To, right? to make that happen. Yep. I, I yep. can't even love yep. my wife properly without the Lord's kindness to me. Yep. Like I, I don't have in my pocket... You know the, the proper love. Yeah, true love is is a is a gift that comes from him, and and the only way that my love, the, the love that my wife really needs, comes from him, and I can be a channel of that. Right, that's wonderful. Yep. So we want all these things, but we're like absolutely, utterly 
dependent upon the Lord to love our wives properly, to, to love our children properly, to, to, to lovingly admonish them, to lovingly care for them and train them. And, and then we're dependent on the Lord to open their eyes, right. to see how great he is. Right. And, and here's how that comes back to that idea of cornerstone, because if we, while we are to do those things and we, and we wisely endeavor to train them up, as this is in Proverbs, you know, train them up in the ways of the Lord. When they're old, they won't depart. Uh, we know that's a principle. It's not some formula or guarantee. Right. And so as we endeavor to do that, we have this, this rock-solid foundation that there's a God, who's the Heavenly Father, who is over us individually. He's our Father. He, he's the Father of our wives and our children. Like, it's ultimately secured in reference with reference to him not Amen. not us and that's that's encouraging it makes us feel small and uh it maybe even humbles us to some who want to be more important than we are and, and we are important but the reality is he, he is of utmost importance mm-hmm. and he's helping us to realize that help us to understand that um earlier when you're talking i was thinking of uh, a text that comes up i think it's in luke and in matthew there's different accounts of this but but it's close to the end of jesus life and the disciples are with him and they point to the, the temple and all of its surrounding structures. And in, I think that's in Matthew. Then in Luke, it says that they, they were referencing the, uh, the beauty of the, the temple. And Jesus says to them something that would have been shocking when he says, hey, you see all that? Yeah, go ahead and take it all in. It's all coming down. Not one stone will be left upon another. And for them, that was a symbol of their nationalism and God's favor toward them and God's presence with them. Yep, this, so, is where, this is where we worship. And he says, it's coming down. And you and I so often sit with people and they come in and say, hey, everything's falling apart. And hey, these are the things I thought God was blessing in my life, or I thought God was doing this, or God was doing that. And uh, and I've had seasons in my life, and I'm sure you have as well, where it's felt that way, like there's this curveball. And what I found, having gone through that, is seeing a little bit more clearly as God sort of disciplines all of us. Uh, he, you know, he's teaching us in those moments, hey, there's something even greater. And it's what Jesus was pointing his disciples to there, which was, hey, yeah, that's a building, and it ha- it served its purpose, but the real temple, I'm the real temple, mm-hmm. and your relationship with me is is fixed and sure and secure, far beyond anything in this finite, limited world. And, you know, again, we, we're talking about these tra- transcendent realities, and sometimes it's hard to believe them. That's our uh, natural inclination is to struggle and doubt, but how gracious is God to just continually remind us, hey, this is what's true. That, that I am the one securing you, securing you. I'm the one taking care of you. I, I'm your true uh, cornerstone uh, beneath your your life. So, yeah, yeah, it's encouraging. And and you know, part part of our lives as we as we get older, the more we see the way that life goes, and everyone ends up losing stuff health, and people. Yeah, yeah, everything, basically. So yep. we we are aware, just by living, we are aware that we can't base all of our joy, and satisfaction, and faith in the transient things of life. There's only one who never changes. Yeah. There's only one who is always good. There's only one who is always kind. There is only one who is always loving. Yeah. There's only one who is always 
faithful. So I enjoy so many things about this life, don't you? Yes, yeah, same. Um, yeah, absolutely. I'm so thankful for friends. I'm so thankful yeah. for my family. I'm thankful that that I'm you know uh, moderately healthy, like you know, healthier than than I deserve to be. Yep. Um, thankful for all these things. But I, I can't, just as a person who's observed the world and seen people, as you've mentioned, come into the counseling office and, and you just see those structures, those relationships, all of those things will fail us, mm-hmm. but the Lord never, ever will. And so while we enjoy the good things he gives us as blessings. Yep, with thankfulness, right, yep. for them. Yep. They're all grace gifts to us, and yep. we're thankful. Um, they ultimately should help us to cling on to and to build our lives on that which will not change and that which will not leave us coming up empty and dry. right. Right, that makes me think of Ecclesiastes, what we've been studying together, and you Mm -hmm. preached last week. We're going to have this series through Ecclesiastes, uh, which is a nice plug there for the folks who want to hear the sermons. (laughs) Uh, So in the Ecclesiastes (laughs) series, you know, we keep coming in this, coming up against this idea of you know the vanity, the the vaporous nature of of light. You can't. I think you illustrated it last week. It's like you know blowing out a match, and there's that smoke. Then you go to grab it, it just slips right through your fingers. You can't. Right. So. And that doesn't mean you know you can't enjoy some of the material Ooh. blessings of this life. Absolutely. We can, but they're not ultimately satisfying. They're never going to be uh, ultimately uh, satisfying in, in the ways that we long for. And that's a good thing. God's kind of wired into His creation this this need to look beyond, to look up above. He says everything under the sun mm-hmm. in Ecclesiastes. Well, look look up look above, above, yeah. right? And and um, and our help comes from God, who who is above all, who created all these good gifts. But who's also the one who says, you know, in in experiencing these things, uh, don't forget where they come from, mm. and um, and while it is your nature to engage in what the Bible calls idolatry, where you we can't help but inflate the value of these created things, right. it's like God lovingly keeps persuading us, uh, yeah, those are good things, and I'm the greatest, I'm the gift giver, and it's all from me, mm. and you can rely upon me, and even when those things are taken away. Um, uh, all those things I heard it uh, referred to one time. I heard a, a pastor describing it in terms of like props that sort of prop our lives up and kind of hold us up. And then when one of those props gets knocked out, whether it's health or family stability or a job gets knocked out, you know, we feel that we wobble. Um, but it's all again here to remind us that well, we're not ultimately secured and stabilized by those material realities, but by God Himself. And and when those yeah. things are knocked out from under us, yep. what what keeps us secure? Well, first of all, I'd, I'd say God God does, right? So we'll, I think we'll be talking about that yep. as we go along, that God keeps us secure. But just from a, from a, a human vantage point of yep. that, what is it that secures me when, when things are taken away that I don't, I don't think are right for them to be taken away? It's that we've tasted that the Lord is good. Yep. We have yep. seen... Uh, his love for us, understanding that his love for me was in my worst spot. Yep. Like when I was in, in my my deepest state of enmity, of of being an enemy of, of God, because I chose my own way and I didn't yep. really want anything to do with him. Yep. He demonstrates his love for me in that spot and sends his son 
Jesus for me. I've tasted that the Lord is good. So because I know he's good in providing the very best in, the, in my worst condition, this, the things in life as destabilizing it is, as it is to lose things that we love and want to cling to, um, we know the Lord's faithfulness because of how he has loved us in his son. Yep, yep, absolutely. And, and what's awesome about that is that while there will be, when we go through those destabilizing events, there will be probably moments of clarity for us where we can still somehow hold on to, okay, yeah, God loves me. He gave Christ for me. And what's awesome that we're learning of is that, you know, even when we have those moments of doubt, you think of like Thomas doubting or Peter doubting. I mean, even in those moments of doubt, God's still faithful. Like it doesn't affect his faithfulness. I mean, and, um, in a very real sense, our faith in him is not like our hold on him. It's our understanding that he holds us right. even when we would slip off or we would run away or we would say, ah, not, this gave me a raw deal here. I'm out. Yep. It's like, no, he just keeps pursuing. He's a shepherd. He leaves the 99. He goes after the one. And, and he's praying awesome. for us. Yep. The right. savior of the world yep. is praying, praying for us yep. even right. when we're struggling yep. To, yep. to understand and grapple with what's happening. Yep. It's funny, I, people I've talked to, and I felt this way too. Sometimes we feel alone in life, especially when you're embattled. Maybe you're, you know, you're working to pro- provide for your family, and uh, you just feel, you know, overwhelmed. Works hard, right? You're stressed out. You're trying to plug away at that, and and you feel alone. Maybe you feel like you don't have anybody that's you're working with that supports you. Your maybe your boss is is nothing but a, a negative in terms of their influence or their view, their criticism of you. Uh, maybe at home you don't even feel supported, but but this idea that Scripture keeps pointing us to: Hey, you have a God who is for you, who loves you, who is who is with you in the midst of all that, um, who, who is faithful to you. Uh, yeah, He's not uh, got the score sheet out, and He's not going to dock your pay, so to speak. Like in Christ, He's given you everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's awesome. That's an awesome reality. That's, again, it's the foundation. It's the anchor for when uh, life just, you know, it's just a struggle, you know? So thank you, Lord Jesus. Yeah. Amen to that, man. Amen to that. That's good. Well, let's maybe uh, move into and say a little bit about these passages that have to do with like the church, you know, because in the New Testament, there's a few places where it talks about Jesus as, and maybe this is where the, the name of the church came from way back when in the 1930s, right? Yeah, 1930s. It's amazing. Long time ago. <laughs> uh, but, but you know, this, is, this term is used in these passages as well. So uh, I'll read Ephesians 2 here, 19 through 22. Uh, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Your thoughts on that text in Ephesians? Probably got a lot, a lot of thoughts, right? Oh, the thoughts are unending. Um, when, when Spoken I, like a true pastor. Exactly. We could talk we, forever. We could be this here all day. <laughs> it's like Captain America. I can do I this, can do this all, all day. day. Yep. <laughs> Well, I, I, this is this is one of those gold passages, right? Um, and one of the emphases that I see uh, in this passage is the work of God in it. You know, we always want to say, you know, well, I've trusted Christ, and 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 I keep trusting Christ, and I'm doing this, and and I'm faithful to that. 
if if that's what we're relying on, we're going to be on yeah. one of these absolute roller coaster rides. Yeah, right. Um, I'm having a great day because I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to do. Having a bad day, not doing all the things I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And then it turns into weeks, then it turns into months, and it turns into years. And what a what a bad spot that is. But this passage is all about the work of God, and that's what I love about this concept of the cornerstone. Because it's not like you make Jesus the cornerstone of your life and everything yeah. will be great. Yeah. God made him the cornerstone. Wow. This is the Lord's doing. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. marvelous yep. in our eyes. So, like in this passage, I just have to do it. Do it, can, man. Can I? Yeah, absolutely. Right. It starts in the first three verses talking about how we're dead. Yeah. Verse four, but God, he's made us alive. This is all by grace through faith in Christ. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. Wonderful. We, we're familiar with that. But we've gone from death to life in those first nine verses. Mm-hmm. Then in verse 10, he talks about the fact that we are his workmanship. The word poema, like a poem. We're his work of art. Mm-hmm. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he has uh, ordained beforehand that we yeah, should we walk, walk in, in them, them. right? Yep. Then he talks again about this creation, the work of God. Only God is the creator. We're not. He's taking people that are dead and making them alive. He's taking all these people that he's made alive and making them into this work of art. And then later on in the the passage, verse 15, he talks about that he has created in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. So he takes Jews and Gentiles that are born again, makes them into one body. He makes peace. In verse 14, he says, he himself is our peace. Who's doing all of this? It's all God's work. He is. He's doing this. But then... You, you go a little further in the passage where he's taken us from death to life, make, made us into this workmanship. He's creating this, this wonderful new entity, this mm-hmm. church, mm-hmm. the people that are called by his name. All the families of the earth are called by his name because of this work that he's placing us into Christ. Then he talks in, in verse 19, as you read, I'm, so I'm not going to reread the passage, he talks about the fact that we... Used to be strangers and aliens, but that's not where we are anymore. Now we're fellow citizens. This is good, but not only fellow citizens, we're members of the household of God. So we're, we're we've gone from those you know the people that would pass through a land they call them strangers to being citizens. Okay, now you're welcome here. You can come in and out. You have all the right. rights and privileges. Oh, better than that, I'm going to take you from the the fringe of being outside to being inside to being in the very household. And then he talks about not just us being in his house as his children, but actually being woven into the very household itself, the, the actual frame, the, the temple that is the dwelling place of God. Yep. So he takes us like just further and further and further and further to, to the, the dwelling place of God in the Spirit. How is this happening? It's happening because he's joining us together, because he's causing us to grow. He's making us be built together. He's turning us into a temple, uh, a dwelling place of the Lord. So he talks about peace and relationships and households and temples. Who's doing this? Did it tell me to do anything? Did he tell me to do anything anywhere in here? No. He's doing it. So he's taken me who, who had nothing, and he's given me everything because he's woven me right into his whole plan and purpose with at the very center of this Christ being the chief cornerstone. Yep. yep. 
That's your common bond, is that Christ is your foundation. So now we, as the church, as we experience what God is doing in our lives and our fellowship with one another, like we're experiencing that as a result of God's kindness to us, and we experience it to the degree that we are uh, understanding and believing that He is doing this and that He is our Heavenly Father and that He's forgiven us and that He's justified us and all those things. And so now you have this amazing miracle that even Jews and Gentiles, like oil and water, even those two groups can be brought together in Christ. Is it a, It's a miracle. It's a miracle because it humanly we would never do that. All we can do humanly is is engage in conflict and divide. Um, I was reading recently uh, a book I've referenced a few times, but I was going back through it recently in, in a section in it where they talk about, hey, what was it that... They're just studying conflict and what makes people fight. And they're saying, you know, you'd, you'd think it would be different opinions and, um, you know, extremes of opinions and different um, approaches to things. And, yeah, that those things are what bring about conflict. Um, but what really makes them deadly is self-justification, so the self-righteous. When I think that I'm better than you and I'm above you and that scorekeeping mentality, that's what really uh, creates a deadly-type conflict. Well, the gospel is the antidote. I mean, it's the ultimate antidote. And God says, hey, look, I've brought you in. I've brought you together. I've established unity, to your point. He he did that. And that's why he says elsewhere, be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Like, Mm -hmm. God has done it, so now live in that. Live in that unity. And, And how we do that, I think, is by revisiting over and over again that, hey, I'm not here because I'm better, or I figured something out, or I'm more righteous than you, or more holy than you, or whatever. I'm here because... God graciously yeah. put me here in Christ, and he put you here in Christ. And so we have that commonality, and neither of us can one-up the other. It's just it's grace. And right? I think Paul, in, in, under the inspiration of the Spirit, brings that same kind of a, of a thought into this uh, from, a, from, a, from a, a similar perspective, which is, you know, there were those that were outside, they've been brought near by the blood of Christ. Yep. And those that were near... They are also brought near by the blood right, of Christ. Right, they're only so, in by that same so, blood. So right? there's yep. both those that were far off and those who are near are made at peace by the same God. In verse 17, yep. he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and he preached peace to those who were near. So, like he's he's breaking down the distinctions. Yep. He's you know wherever you came from, whatever position you were in. Both of you needed yep. this message of peace from this person of peace, this God of peace who offers his peace to those that will come to him in faith. And so he says in verse 18, for through him we both have access to one in one spirit to the Father. So yeah, exactly yeah. what you're talking about is how, you know, there's no there's no room for me to feel like I'm better than yeah, you. First class, second or, class citizens. And anyone else. Yep. I was dead, yep. dead in my trespasses and sins. <laughs> yeah. What did I have to give? Yeah, Nothing. Yeah. And therefore, my whatever I bring to the table is only bringing something that's kind of cruddy. Yeah, right. Yep. And that's back in Isaiah, our righteousness are as filthy rags before yeah. God. No, no one's presenting to God any kind of righteousness. He says, oh, wow, yeah, you're right. That is better than that guy. <laughs> like, no, it's all complete and utter need, and we mm-hmm. come with, with empty empty pockets, empty hands, and and uh, 
I was in Isaiah earlier as well, in Isaiah 55, where it says, come, come and take this water. Come and, mm-hmm. and take bread without cost. Like, and it just talks about, hey, I'm just going to give this to you. Like, you, don't, yeah. you don't bring anything. You don't have any money uh, by which you're going to pay me off. So I'll say these things keep cycling through and, and reiterating the idea of God's grace. And, and so individually, we're coming to understand, hey, we... Whether we feel it or not, the reality is Christ is the cornerstone beneath our feet. He has established that. We are learning of that. We're learning to rest in that reality. And then collectively as a church, uh, the reality is this is how God builds his church, is on that same foundation. And we are, uh, again, learning and growing in our experience of that grace, and and we have every reason to be to be thankful. Um what do you think? Any other any other thoughts? Yeah. yeah. So I think I'm I think sure you have other we're, thoughts. <laughs> we're, we're we're trying more and more to believe, right? Yeah. To, to understand it, to see it clearly, to appreciate what the Lord has given to us, offered to us in Himself, what it all means. So, like the, one of the reasons that we uh, revel in this concept of Christ, our cornerstone, is because we come in and and we're reminding one another yep. constantly. Yep. That's right. In, in our own minds and to one another. There's only one place yep. of stability and safety. It's found in Christ because our God is good. Yep. And what Christ has done for us is available to us as we trust him, right? And it's available to others. So we keep telling people, listen, God is worthy of trust. L- look, yep. look at who he is. How do we know what he is? Well, he's revealed it. What has he done? And his, and, and what he has done Prove to us, proves to us over and over again that he's good and trustworthy. Yeah. Yep. So we we are this for one another. You know, we do this for yep. each other as That's friends, right? right? Yep. I do this for my wife and she does it for me. And I yep. I want to do this for my children. I want to keep telling her, listen, I know, I know what you're going through is hard, and I know it stinks to have disappointment. I can tell you about someone who himself will never disappoint you. Yep. There's there's safety and security in him. He is always faithful. He always does what he says. You can count on him. So we do this for one another yep. uh, in, in the church, from the pulpit, in the counseling room, on Twitter, on yep. Facebook, whatever the forum is, we we want to be offering, uh, e- even uh, even in my space, <laughs> even though it's gone, even though it's gone. Listen, right. resurrect it. <laughs> While you're having a sandwich. Right. Could be just over a sandwich, just enjoying lunch with a friend. That's you could right. Do that. Got it in. Well done, man. Keep pointing people Worked to Christ. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Uh, yeah, I feel like there's so much more we could say, oh, but there's probably a good place to to wrap it up. Um, as usual, man, it's been really encouraging talking with you. I hope this is an encouragement to others. Yeah, uh, why don't we Why don't we close in prayers? All right, I'll pray yeah, here please. and just ask God to help us to remember this truth of, of Jesus, our cornerstone. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the conversation we've had and enjoyed today. Uh, thank you for, in advance, we thank you for anyone who will listen to this, yes. and we pray that you would help all of us to believe the truth, to believe that, that you have secured us as we navigate through life and all its ups and downs, and we all have uh, blessings and good things that we enjoy And then we have aspects of our lives that are difficult, painful, loss we experience. Either way, God, help us to remember how secure we are in Christ and the great hope that we have in him. And that even when 
We feel like everything is uh, in turmoil. We feel like we are unstable and shaky. The reality is that you are rock solid, dependable, Mm -hmm. immovable, and um, omnipotently strong. Help us to to treasure that reality and, and to live in light of that even as we seek to be an encouragement to others and a service to others. So thank you for this time. Uh, thank you for uh, our church and what you're doing here. And I will give you all the praise in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I, oh. I thought, I thought it went well. Like I, I, I think the thirty-five minutes went by fast. I agree. I was surprised we were ending. We're all.